Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 60th episode, we have artist Liz Miller on to talk about her work, which incorporates all different kinds of materials, collage, paper, fabric, and she combines them into these big installations. And we talk about how that evolved in her studio practice, so please stay tuned for that. I'm also really excited about this Kickstarter project that I just launched called Remembering Place. Please go ahead and check it out, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but it involves an exhibition, and people send me images of places they want to remember, and that gets incorporated in my work, so I'll explain a little bit more later after the interview. Of course, if you haven't heard of Studio Break before, we are a podcast and blog site that features contemporary artists talking about their studio practice with me, and we just get down to the nitty-gritty, so if you've missed any episodes or if you've never heard of it, please check it out. Our archives have a ton of different episodes in it. Some of them are long like this one, some of them shorter highlight episodes, so please check them out. Again, look on the left sidebar, scroll month by month through the archives, and check out all the great podcasts that you missed. We also want to remind you that we are on iTunes, so please subscribe to the Studio Break podcast there. And if you like us, please leave us some comments. You can follow us on Twitter at Studio Break and also like our Facebook page, Studio Break, where you can preview some of the guests that we have coming up. We give show announcements and cool stuff like that, so please like our page there. All right, make sure to check out Liz's website, LizMiller.com, before you listen to this interview or follow along with it. It's always a great idea, so please go ahead and check it out. And without further ado, Liz Miller coming up. Stay tuned. Well, I am happy to be joined by Liz Miller today. How are you doing? Great. Thanks so much for having me. It's you know it's great to uh, finally have you on. I think we've been talking about this for quite a while, so I'm yeah. uh, I'm glad it's a reality. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so, and just to kind of give us a little bit of background, what are you? You're currently teaching up in Minnesota, is that correct? That's right. I teach uh, all different levels of drawing at Minnesota State University in Mankato, which is um, a relatively small town about an hour and a half south of Minneapolis. Okay. And are you originally from that area, or where did you uh, grow up? I am. Um, I grew up in the Twin Cities, um, well, in a suburb of the Twin Cities, Bloomington, Minnesota. And then I, I traveled around a little. Um, I did two years of school at St. Olaf College, which is in Northfield, another small town in Minnesota. Um, and then I, I left St. Olaf to go to Rhode Island School of Design and then lived in Chicago for a few years and then came back uh, to go to grad school at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. So so I ended up um, back in Minnesota. And then after grad school, um, I got this job. So. Well, and, and was was being creative and kind of exploring that always something that was, was important to you as, as you were growing up? Yeah, you know, it was. I mean, it, it's funny because I have like um, sheets of paper from kindergarten that say that <laughs> I wanted to uh, be an artist, but I think I didn't really know what that that meant. Um, I mean, I, sure. I grew up in a family um, where creativity was always encouraged, but both of my parents were um, computer scientists. <laughs> So, I mean, and I and I think there is creativity related to that. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, you know, the most uncreative field. But I think there is creativity related to that. Um, but, you know, my, my parents didn't really know sometimes, I think, how to direct me. So, like, like, when I was younger, you know, younger being, like, elementary school, I thought, well, maybe I'll be a cartoonist because I think that was kind of the only thing that I was exposed to that seemed like, you know, this is creative. This is something, you know, I could do. So, so for the longest 
this time I, I drew pictures, you know, in elementary school and even junior high and high school that, that were kind of cartoons. You know, I did illustrations for the high school year. Right, right. <laughs> that sort of thing. But it wasn't until college, you know, that I and I think really RISD. I mean, when I went to St. Olaf, I, I knew I wanted to um, major in studio art um, and um, ended up transferring to art school. And I think it wasn't until I got to uh, Rhode Island School of Design that I that I really was exposed to people who were working artists, you know, who, not that that wasn't true in, in Northfield, but I think when I went there, it was my first time going to New York. I mean, I was pretty sheltered. I was a, a Midwest kid, you know, who hadn't really traveled a lot, hadn't been to museums or galleries a lot. Um, and so so going to Rhode Island School of Design and, you know, taking these field trips to New York was really, really eye-opening for me. Um, I think and really influential, you know, in me thinking, yes, this is something I, I really want to do. Well, so, you know, what, what did you work, work on when you were, uh, you know, exploring art for the first time? I mean, were you prone to kind of be 2D or, or 3D? Yeah, I was really um, drawn to painting. And I mean, I really, I really still am as a viewer, um, very much drawn to painting. And I, I think when I, when I, you know, started exploring art um, for the first time, I, I was majoring in painting. I was surrounded by people who were, um, you know, many of them very, very good painters, my classmates. And I, I really um, thought, you know, I'm going to be a painter. And so um, I tried and tried and tried to be a painter. And I, and I just kind of sucked at painting. <laughs> and so, um, you know, but it took me a, a long time to realize that. And so, um, you know, I would make these big paintings and I would um, and, and eventually I started to realize, you know, that I actually was not very good at this. And so I started cutting them, um, like cutting into the paintings and kind of collaging paintings on top of paintings. Um, and then, you know, collaging small um, fabric scraps onto the paintings. And I mean, I was still, I, I really didn't know what I was interested in in terms of subjects. So I was all over the place, like a, like a lot of people, I guess, when, you know, they're younger, um, exploring a lot of different subject matter. But it seemed like um, once I started pursuing collage that I, I was really excited about that and so at that at that point you know the collage was like really flat collage you know right, I was right. basically gluing things to the painting um but there was something about that that act of like cutting and, and gluing things that was very exciting to me and and one day one of my teachers said um in undergrad you know why don't you just make a shape and so I, I remember I went to Home Depot I didn't know what she meant you know like what does that mean make a shape right um so I, I went to Home Depot and I like bought all these random you know um like foam insulation material and all this random stuff and i made a horse <laughs> you know i don't know really know what i was thinking actually but it was funny because she I, I brought it back you know and then i painted on it and she said this is the best thing you've ever made <laughs> and i i think that you know when you're young i mean even though it's kind of like a funny story it was so random but that type of encouragement you know because up until that point she'd been so kind of disappointed like everything i made sucked you know and so I brought this thing to the critique that that seems so poorly built and problematic but she got so excited about about it you know and I think that really did kind of set me off in, in a different direction and, and made me realize that in order to engage with the language of painting you don't necessarily have to be using oil paint on like a flat surface you know? right <laughs> so so that, so that was kind of a pivotal early moment i guess but i was going to ask so so how did uh 
working with other materials, working in other mediums and, and, and kind of studying them also influence this process? Well, I mean, I think for me, um, under undergraduate, my undergraduate education was, was in large part, I mean, so there was the part where I was exposed to a lot of things, which I'll talk about, but, um, but there was also the part where, um, like you said, I was exploring a lot of different things. I think I was realizing in large part what I wasn't good at, you know, <laughs> which is, is just as helpful sometimes. So, you know, I, I found out I wasn't very good at, at being a traditional painter. I, I always wanted to kind of cut things up and like rearrange them and make collage. Um, I found out I actually wasn't very good at being a printmaker. I mean, you know, it was kind of kind of heartbreaking. In a right. way. <laughs> You're in this setting, you know, and there are all these people. It's really art school is, is pretty competitive. You know, there are all these people who are making these gorgeous paintings and prints. And, and I was kind of realizing I, I sucked at, at these things, you know, in a fundamental way. But at the same time, um, we took these field trips to New York. Like, I want to say like every other week. I mean, we went to New York a lot, at least one semester. And um, I was exposed to work of people like um, Polly Applebaum and Jessica Stockholder. And, you know, these people that were working within the language of painting, but were, were kind of approaching it in this completely like sculptural way. Um, and I, I think that that idea of engaging in the language of painting, but with materials that were different and with a, a different sort of physicality was really, really um, exciting to me. So like I never took, I've never taken a sculpture class in my life actually, which is right, it's right. kind of funny, but I think that idea of like, for me defining at that time, what painting was for me, you know, because like I, I, when I'm growing up, you know, I didn't go to a lot of galleries. I just, I had no idea the breadth of what painting could really be. You know, I thought of it as like oil on canvas. And if you fail at that, it's over. <laughs> right. um, but, but at that time, you know, realizing like, oh, it's so much broader than this, you know, and, and materially it can have a different life, you know, in, in terms of the relationship to the body of the body to the work, it can be totally different than, you know, a painting on a wall, the idea that it could be, um, you know, a series of sculptural objects that you walk around that deal with plane and shape and color, or that it could be, um, like as in Polly Applebaum's work, um, paintings that are, she considers fallen paintings that's like crushed, dyed velvet that's on the ground. I mean, all of those things as, as a young person, well, they're still exciting to me, right. but, but they were really exciting then. You know, I'd never seen anything like that or thought about anything like that. So, Well, and it strikes me too, that, that idea of directness, you know, you know, you, you immediately was like printmaking, no. And it strikes me that that's such an indirect kind of process, whereas just the idea of painting can have so many different variables and, you know, drawing something is also drawing is also kind of thrown in in that same regards because you're maybe adding to it or i don't know you, you maybe think about it in a slightly different way so it's interesting to hear you talk about you know the way that you start exploring that was it intimidating at all being at, at RISD coming uh from the midwest at all or was it something that just kind of you know mm. got chilled out very easily well, I mean, it, it, no, it was intimidating. I mean, it's funny because um, I, you know, I hadn't traveled a lot prior to then. Um, I, I didn't um, really have a lot of experience, you know, um, going to galleries at all, anything like that. And I, I also found myself um, immediately, you know, I mean, I had always been kind of like the the art star, you know, um, like, at, you know, at St. Olaf, I, I think I got recognition for my work, you know, in high school, I got recognition for my work. And then you go somewhere like RISD and you're like one of a zillion people that are, you know, and everyone's more talented than right. you. 
Um, and so I think I think that there there is a, a huge intimidation factor in that. Um, it was also interesting because I'll never forget the first day of my painting class as a transfer student. You know, I arrived at class and I kind of expected someone to tell me what to do. You know what I mean? Like an assignment or something uh, with an assignment sheet with a syllabus. And and I got there and um, Dennis Congdon just said, "Okay, everybody, start painting." <laughs> thought, seriously? Like, painting on what? You know, like, how large should it be? What's the subject? But I, you know, I immediately loved it there because there was this, this, um, you know, it was never like, oh, you should major in art and you should major in this other thing. And and there's a huge impracticality to that. I'm the first <laughs> admit, you know, that art isn't the easiest thing to, to make a living at. I mean, I teach and do art. So so there is an impracticality to that. But I think also there's a huge sense of encouragement, you know, that I felt there um, that, that I didn't necessarily feel um, before I went there. So it was the, the intimidation was kind of mixed in with um, just excitement about being in that kind of environment, you know. Right. Well, and, and so what happened after you, you know, made this horse and um, kind of developed this language? Because, I mean, again, I mean, you know, you, you've you got, you know, years of work, you know, up on your website. And obviously you, you can look at it now and think about all of the shapes and, I don't know, the way that you have to kind of put all these things together. So it's interesting to think about, you know, how you arrived at that. And especially with that idea of subject, because it looks like that, that, um, experimentation is something is always in present in the work and the way that you're exploring these things. But how, how did you arrive there in terms of that idea subject? Yeah, it took, it took a long time. I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't really, you know, both in terms of, I guess, I guess it took a long time, both in terms of like the, the process part of it, you know, in terms of like the, the formal qualities of the work and and then figuring out, you know, what I wanted to, to try to say with the work. I mean, those things are obviously, um, joined together, <laughs> but, but, um, I mean, after, so after undergraduate, you know, I, I started kind of, or during undergraduate, the end of my undergraduate experience, I started kind of building these, these more, um, three dimensional shapes and they're, they're they were like, you know, um, insulation foam that I kind of carved away. And then I would cover the surface with um, fabric. And, and I really didn't know what I was interested in at that time. Of course, I thought I was interested in art and craft, you know, like art versus craft. <laughs> like it was some mm-hmm. kind of contest, you know, which, which it often is set up that way. You know, But I um, so I was exploring like quilting shapes. And and I think I, I think that the idea of repetition was present in that early work and, and kind of continued to feed into my work until, you know, I got to grad school, but I, I had no idea what I was doing to be frank. I mean, I, I was just kind of like experimenting, experimenting, experimenting. And so fast forward to grad school, which, you know, I took three years off, um, between undergrad and grad school. I worked in kitchen design. I worked in visual merchandising where I dressed mannequins. So, so I kind of did these other things. And then I got to grad school and like, Everyone in grad school um, comes in, you know, knowing what they're doing, right? Like, they make great work. They're totally confident. Um, And I got to grad school, and I just thought, you know what? i got to forget. Like, whatever I think my work is about, like, art versus craft or, like, whatever I think it's about – it's not about that. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I have to just kind of like start over. So that's what I did. I mean, everyone in my class was, there were four other people in my painting class. And I remember they were making like big stretcher frames and like doing this cool stuff that looked really great, you know, like epic painting. And I was making these wonky little drawings. Just that were, <laughs> I, I thought, well, I'm just going to make 
like a lot of these small works on paper and something will come out of it. Something will emerge. You know, I'll figure out what I'm actually interested in. So I made these kind of collages on paper that had, um, you know, they had adhesive vinyl, they had like felt, they had some, um, you know, sort of craft foam. And I was just using these really simple store-bought stencils. Some of them were like architectural stencils and some of them were just stencils you get at craft stores and making these kind of repetitive shapes. And, you know, so on one level, these were really formal. But when I stood back and and looked at them, there were like a hundred of them, you know, and when I stood back and looked at these, um, what came to mind that they had in common um, besides the materials and besides the fact that I had no no idea what I was doing um, was the idea that I was interested in this kind of order chaos relationship. And I was interested in small parts coming together to to form a larger whole, you know, or coalesce um, or maybe um, dissolve into kind of chaos. And so that sent me um, looking into um, systems and, and the idea of these small elements that, that come together to, you know, kind of form a greater good or um, if something in a chain of events goes wrong, um, how those those small parts could kind of resolve in some kind of catastrophic event. And, and so I think that, that that was like a really a really important um, turning point for me. This, and because even it's even though it's such a broad idea, this idea of like what what are systems, you know, right. and what is what is chaos and order. I mean, everyone's interested in that. It seems like, but but that was really pivotal for me because all of a sudden I could attach real world sources to that. I could look at storm radar imagery. I could look at um, invasive species. I could look at um, you know the body. I could think about um, biology and how sometimes you know. One little, and I'm not a scientist, so I'm sure this would sound like totally the the incorrect terminology to someone who's a scientist, but how you can have like one little slip in a DNA sequence or something and um, things turn out totally differently, right? And it's just such an imperceptible, you know, sort of um, change that causes that. So I became really, really interested in in that um, and started to kind of um, seek out um, forms that that might relate to that. So I started looking at a bunch of um, different kinds of charts, graphs, and diagrams that that we kind of use to map those things. So how is um, information conveyed? visually. And I I became really excited by the fact that the more sort of sinister or awful the event, whether it's like something related to health or something related to storm systems or what, whatever, um, the more sort of beautiful the charter diagram is, (laughs) you know, like as as a way to kind of convey these things. Like, it's just like the worst hurricane has the most beautiful radar. Right, right. Um, so, so that was kind of compelling. And, and, you know, at the same time I was exploring those things, I, I think that, um, I was exploring a more pronounced kind of materiality, you know. I became became excited about the idea of layering and layering and layering and layering. And then eventually things just kind of started to come off of um, the page. But everything or the canvas or, you know. But everything in my work has been a really slow transition. So even though I just, like, set all that in two minutes, um, you know, it, it took right. a long time. I mean, that was, like, basically... Uh, the entire length of grad school was me just kind of, you know, working on that, saying my work is about systems, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's what it was about, but it took a long time. It's really interesting to think about it in, in hindsight, because I think a lot of times you can easily look back over the course of even like five years and you kind of really can see, you know, what things have, you know, continued in your studio practice, what things are different, the way that this one experience could have influenced 
a different body of work or something like that. And so it's always interesting to, to think about that. Yeah, and it's, and yeah. I think especially too the, the idea of coming into graduate school and being that open is, you know, really interesting and, and really difficult. So what did you do in terms of thinking about how you could move this off the page? Because mm. I think that's kind of how you were hinting at or you maybe started doing it. And, you know, certainly like a, it's really interesting to think about and see the current work because you can kind of see that slow, those slow, you know, progressions from 2006 into the present. Um, so what, what brought you out of that, that, uh, that, that surface, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so it kind of, I mean, it's continuing to happen, and it's kind of happened in these, these stages. Um, and like you said, there are these, these kind of moments that are defining moments. And so, so I guess one of those, those moments was kind of like at the end of grad school. I want to say it was like, well, it was 2004, and I, you know, I'm dating myself, but I, I graduated in 2005 from the MFA program at the University of Minnesota. So um, one of those moments was actually like I had the studio visit um, with a critic um, who um, was the curator for a, a local gallery nearby. And I think I had the studio visit with her just because someone else canceled. You know, <laughs> so I came into my studio and said, hey, Liz, will you meet with this person? <laughs> and I just said, okay, sure. So I wasn't really prepared. So I had like these, these kind of works on plexiglass that were sort of drawing, painting type works, you know, except they were collage. Then I had works on paper. Then I had started to kind of like just cut out shapes and put them on the wall of my studio. And so like the studio visit went fine. I didn't really think a lot about it, you know, whatever it was, it was all good. Um, and then, um, I got this email from her, uh, saying, you know, we'd like you to submit some work, um, for a potential exhibition. So I submitted slides, I guess at that time. (laughs) And so, um, I submitted slides and then I got another email saying that I had been selected and that they wanted me to do an installation. And this was all just based on this stuff, basically that I had on my studio wall. Like right, I had never right. done an installation. And so um, part of what I've, I've tried to do, you know, in my career is like embrace opportunities that come to you, you know, even if you kind of think, oh, I don't do that or that's not, you know, look at it as a, right. as a challenge. So I said, okay, you know, um, I'll do this. And so um, my first installation project that was outside of, of, you know, the campus community was at Augsburg College, which is right by the University of Minnesota in the Twin Cities. And they have this beautiful gallery. I think it's still there. It's kind of almost like a storefront. It's kind of a curved wall. It's very narrow, but then it has a glass facade so you can see in. And I did this project called The Failure of an Eloquent Defense. It was very much wall-bound. Um, so the, the pieces were, you know, attached to the wall, fairly flat, but doing that project um, ignited something in me. I, I loved going in and working in the space and the physicality of it and the, the sort of unknown part of it, you know, how I could plan and plan but not know exactly what was going to um, happen. So I think that show um, was really what made me think, I want to work in spaces on site. I want to do installations. I mean, it just felt like amazing. I love doing it. So, um, so that was really how I came to even thinking about doing larger work and kind of getting it, you know, off of the the page completely. I I was just so excited about the experience, but as far as the work getting really dimensional, I mean, that's been super gradual. Um, I think my, my drawing and painting background, you know, like I spent a lot of my academic career defending why my work was, was, or was not related to painting. I mean, (laughs) 
which which I had right. to realize. Like after I got done with with school, you know, we've been talking a lot about school, but I really had to to realize that you know, for me as an artist, I think for some people it's really important aligning themselves um, with a specific discipline. But for me, it's not, and it's not that I don't appreciate um, the tradition or the history of those things. But but I feel like I make my best work when I'm not thinking like you know, like I must be a sculptor or I must be a painter or I must be a drawer. You know, I just need to make the work that I, that I need to make, you know, that's going to be um, good work. And so, so once I kind of freed myself from, from, you know, thinking about that on a conscious level, I think it opened up a lot of new opportunities for the way that these materials could be used. You know, um, I mean, I was using this, this craft felt and the idea, you know, when you buy it um, by the sheet is kind of like, this is a flat material, you know, it comes in a sheet. Right. But when you think about it, especially when I started, you know, being able to afford to buy it in larger quantities, it's a flexible material, you know, it bends, it folds, it drapes, you know, it's not, it's not just a kind of 2D material. So I think one of my strengths in, in the studio, you know, I'm not very good analytically, like I'm really bad at planning things, to be honest, but I'm really good at just playing with materials. So I really just started kind of thinking to myself, you know, like, what what can these materials do um, that, that they're not doing already? You know, what what can I make them do? And I was interested in how, when I did that, the, the shape I was using would change. So I can take... Um, a shape related to weaponry, you know, and um, through just simple folding, bending, manipulating of that shape, I can totally camouflage it. I can make it look really organic. I can make it look really appealing or seductive or enticing. And um, I call it wonky origami. But <laughs> but I was, um, you know, really interested in that. So so I think once I gave myself the confidence that, like, you, you can make what you need to make, you can be a sculptor if you want, or you can be a painter if you want, or you can, you can be whatever, without having a degree or without knowing how to use power tools necessarily or, you know, sure. like, I think a lot of it was just for me getting over intimidation of that and just, just kind of playing to your strengths. I mean, everyone has things that, that come naturally to them. And I think that the obvious thing in like an academic setting is to kind of tell the person to do the opposite thing. Right. So like your work is beautiful and repetitive, make it uglier or your work is, you know, but, but I think for me, like a lot of, a lot of my career since academia has kind of been about, um, or since I, since I was a student in academia, I guess I'm still in academia, but, um, has been about kind of playing to your strengths, you know, and, and, and then you figure it out. Right. <laughs> it strikes me too. I mean, that idea of working, you know, in that confined space, it must've been so kind of liberating because, you know, you're I, I, looking at this piece, uh, that you had, um, I think it's like one of the oldest ones that's listed on your, your website. And I just think about, you know, being in a, in a, a site, like a library, I think, I think it's where it's at. This is from uh, Gould library. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to, to think about, and again, everybody should, if gosh, we'll have to make another announcement for this, but LizMiller.com, go check it out. You can see all of these different pieces up there, but that idea of being able to interact with the wall and the space and to be able to make those kind of changes, it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen that same way when you're, you're working to this confined idea of a, a, a space, you know, a piece of paper. So it's very interesting to hear you talk about that and, and the way that especially you're kind of, 
you can plan all these things, but there's always variables. There's ways that they shift and change, yeah. and you know it's it's exciting, you know, and especially exciting to see all of your updates as well. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's interesting too because like I wasn't very open to the the idea of like improvisation as part of my process initially, <laughs> but I've had to right. I've had to embrace. I mean, I was talking about you know kind of embracing strengths, and I think like. I think that is one of my strengths and it's kind of a scary strength, you know, because I I think that oftentimes, especially when you're dealing with big spaces, I mean, people want to see a model. They want to see a plan. They want to know you can do this, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, but for me, part of the, the thing that's really awesome about doing site-specific work is that ability that, that you don't really have a fixed, fixed object, you know, the idea that you arrive at the space and that it could totally change, at least with the way I work. And and a lot of times for me it does. I mean, I try to have this idea of like a, a sort of um, logic that the different elements, you know, or the different components hinge on. So I do experiment with that in my studio. I mean, it's not, I, I mean, it's not completely unplanned, you know, I, right. but, but then, um, it's really awesome, I, I think, when all that preparation can hopefully yield something that's that's even more exciting on site. And that doesn't always happen, you know. I mean, there are obviously cases where I get there and, and things don't go the way that I <laughs> plan. But um, but it's really exciting when it when it kind of exceeds what you think it will because of the improvisational component. Um, so I've, I've come to to kind of embrace that, and you know, I, I try and plan, but then I try and realize that you know. Know, one of the benefits of being there on the site is that you can do something that hopefully goes beyond what you had envisioned um, and, and that that's okay. But I was going to ask you, so what, what kind of research uh, goes into the, the different, you know, uh, patternings and different uh, ways that you're utilizing, I believe, all these different cultures? Is that is that right? Is this something that you're, you know, again, in that 2006 uprange, is that kind of the area that you're kind of looking at all these different different materials, different cultures, and, and just kind of playing around with combining them? Or how does, how does that designing process work in terms of, you know, what you're going to pick or, or how you're going to yeah. manipulate something? Yeah, I mean, I I think um, yeah, in that in that period, you know, two thousand six, and and even now, I mean, the the work is really all of my works are are kind of hybrids. I mean, so most of them, well, I think all of them, but most of them, you know, aren't looking at like a single sort of source. I mean, they're combining all these different things. Um, but I'm I'm really interested in um, I think just simple ideas of, of perception, you know, and how you can take um, the shape of a web. I became really excited about weapons, you know, and how beautiful they are and how violent they are. And, and how you can take um, the shape of a, a gun, like, say, like a Colt rifle, you know, from the late 1800s. And you can you can mirror it and you can turn it into something that looks like an organic form, you know, like a butterfly, you know, or something. Um, and, and how then, you know, depending on the color choice you make, how, you know, it, you can further that, you know, to where people don't really see that anymore, you know, the, the weapon part of it. Um, and so kind of combining, like, I, I'm really interested in the installations and combining um, synthetic and organic um, or combi- combining things that are beautiful and violent. And, um, I mean, the, the the sort of subjects that I deal with have been pretty broad, but I think that idea of, of beauty and violence has been something that I would say is, is like a common thread that's run through the work. Um, and I, I became interested in part in that um, 
just because people would always say, even before I, I sort of embraced the idea of like beauty and, and its counterpoint, you know, being violence or something sinister, people would always say that my work was like too pretty, you know, like, <laughs> oh, it's too decorative. Oh, it's so pretty and kind of dismiss it. But um, I realized that I was really, that was something I was really interested in, you know, work that was like overtly um, seductive and on some level, you know, that kind of like lures the viewer in, you know, and then, and then maybe present something different. So, um, I mean, I started even researching, I, I was able to, um, get funding to take, um, a few trips to research, um, pattern ornament and decoration in, um, Gothic and Baroque architecture in Europe. I went to, um, France in one trip and then I went to Paris and then, um, and then I also went to Italy to different sites in Italy and, you know, was looking a lot at, um, these, um, cathedrals, you know, as kind of these immersive environments where the, the decoration, you know, um, the ornament in these, these places, um, sort of like serves this other purpose too. You know, it's not just, it's not just makeup or it's not just fluff, you know, like all of it's got meaning, these layers and layers of meaning, but at the same time, it's so excessive that, that it's overwhelming and kind of militant, you know, and kind of just so intense. You feel like you kind of need to escape from it almost. Um, and, and I think like a good secular example of that is Versailles, right? I mean, mm-hmm. It's just so intense, you know, and the layers and layers and layers of pattern and ornament. So I became really interested in, in kind of um, conflating, you know, things that are seen as, I guess, just ornamental or, you know, when I say just, I, I don't think anything is just ornamental, but, but I think people do have, you know, when you say things are decorative, right? Like a lot of people use that in a way that's kind of derogatory, especially mm-hmm. where art is concerned, right? It's not supposed to be decorative. So, um, I started, started really trying to embrace that and then trying to kind of splice that with things that are more sinister, um, and, um, so when researching installations, I mean, a lot of times there will be like a key set of images, um, that I'll focus on and I'll, I'll kind of start, um, playing around making these simple kind of tag board stencils. And then, then I'll kind of go from there. I mean, usually there's like one form, you know, that I'll, that I'll kind of arrive at. Sometimes it's through playing around with different computer images. Sometimes I'll just look at images and kind of draw from them. I mean, it really, it really depends. For a while I was using Photoshop a lot to make stencils, but I kind of, kind of have, um, departed from that. Like I, um, my process is super low tech, you know, so I kind of look right. at a lot of these things um, and then I'll kind of um, start making one key form and then, then I'll kind of other forms will kind of come from that. And so there's there's definitely the part where um, I'm trying to be specific enough that I can allude to these things, but then have um, a degree of ambiguity, you know, so that uh, people aren't quite sure what they're looking at. And I think that's that's kind of a difficult line to tread, you know, because I don't want the shapes to be generic you know? mm-hmm. um, but I also don't want them you know it's it's not a picture of a b or c right like it's sure, an experience sure. and it's something that maybe hopefully can evoke ideas related to the source but um you know in a way that that goes beyond just being a kind of illustration so so I'm looking at things from like across geographies and cultures and you know not not wanting to create a message necessarily about one single you know, war or one single example of environmental devastation or, you know, uh, but, but trying to be broader than that and, and more fictional, I guess. I mean, I really do consider the works, um, despite the fact that they borrow from, from these factual sources. I mean, I think there are these elaborate sort of fictions that are, you know, based in some part on fact. Well, one of the things that, you know, strikes me about that, uh, especially if you kind of get that idea of, you know, that you're borrowing from all these different sources, you know, when you, when you, 
see that work, you start to kind of piece together those things. And so I can, I can see how, how people might react to that. Cause you're kind of looking for the, you know, there's a number of them that, uh, that seems so, you know, systematic and, and repetitive that they kind of remind me of, again, like, I think you mentioned this in your artist statement, like almost like suits of armor kind of being strung up next to each other. But then there's all these different kind of things going on or, or ways that, you know, that can spawn and go off in a different direction. So it's really interesting to, to kind of get in that space and mm-hmm. to, to try to, I don't know. Maybe we, we well, need a head, like a, a head camera on you, and then uh, you know you could just well, make a, a forty a forty day, forty hour thing about how it goes. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting. Well, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned like being in the space because that's something that I, I really started to think a lot about as the works become more sculptural. Like the viewer, like how does it force the viewer to move through the work, or how does it guide their movement? Or I mean, I did like in two thousand eleven, I think a couple works that had these real kind of specific linear configurations and I had been looking a lot at like firing squads and, and chorus lines like again I'm always interested <laughs> in things that look alike but that are totally different right so so I'm looking at these lines of like showgirls wearing you know faux fur and like sequins and then I'm looking at these really militant you know regiments of like army troops and, and it was weird because some of the, the sets of imagery you could almost like superimpose <laughs> with, like the same thing except totally different right like one giving a show and one going to bath so two very different things, but um, but I got really interested in in those kind of structured sequences and um, and creating a, a situation that would force the viewer to kind of like walk around the work in a certain way or be confronted with it. Like I did one um, piece at Co College in 2011 that was a really long narrow space, and so I created this really um, long sequence that that was very specific, and um, the viewer had a very narrow sort of path that they could walk. I mean, they could walk all the way around the work but they had to walk around it in a specific way where it was almost like so tight, you know, that it was kind of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so that idea of like where the viewer is in relation to the work, I think is really different as, as my works become more sculptural. Maybe it just seems like obvious to people who are sculptors, you know, or who started out doing installation. But to me, as someone who had a background in painting, like it was always like, okay, you're creating this illusionistic space that the viewer kind of looks into or, you know, but I think it took me quite a while, like, making installations to really make that change to where I was thinking about where the viewer um, really is in relation to the work and how I could structure their movement and how that could change the just the feeling or the energy of the work. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, as, you know, being a painter myself, you know, you think about uh, a system that kind of keeps some of that in check just with traditional painting is just like hanging mm-hmm. something at eye level. And mm-hmm. the thing that strikes me about installation, especially is that physicality of the figure, um, you know, seeing it in that scale because you relate to it based on, you know, how tall you are and, 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 and things like that. It becomes really interesting to think about how, how the scale of the works uh, relate to, to people as well. And especially on, on the scale of the works themselves, because, you know, one of the things that you see, you know, uh, really expanding is are are these really big kind of uh, uh, sheets or big areas or big forms and then really small intricate ones and that's that's also like an interesting balance that's in the work as well I think yeah yeah I mean scale is something that was really I mean it continues to be really challenging for me um, you know like I never set out to to do super large work but it just it just kind of feels natural to me like I like working large it's actually hard for me to work small but um but you know it really does change I mean like 
I, I mean, certainly the space is a variable. Um, you know, the human body is a variable. And I think, I think with my work, I basically make, you know, all my work, like I'm actually the one cutting it, you know? So like, um, which sounds crazy to people, but it's not that, you know, it's not that crazy. I'm not like in a dark room cutting things 24 hours a day, just, just like 16 hours. A day. <laughs> just kidding. But, um, it's not, you know, it, but I think it does keep the work at a level that's kind of like, that really does relate to human scale. I mean, I think, and I'm not against other forms of fabrication, you know, I'm currently like working on some outdoor projects where, where I might have to, or, you know, they're kind of potential projects. I probably shouldn't even talk about them, but, but where I might have to like have things fabricated. So I'm not, I'm not against that, but I think to this point, the fact that I am like kind of one person making the work has actually changed the, you know, or kept the scale at a certain level, right. That, that would change perhaps dramatically if I was just able to, you know, say I want 5,000 of these shapes sure. 20 feet by 20 <laughs> feet or, you know, I mean, so there is like that, that real human um, scale to it. But, but I think that um, your comment about, you know, these passages of like larger forms and then more intricate things is also something I'm, I'm excited about. And, and visually, you know, I think the work functions on, on a few levels. So there's like kind of the overall view oftentimes of the work, you know, or, or the faraway view. But then I hope that that the viewer that, you know, walks into the work is kind of rewarded with some of those um, more intricate, you know, viewing experiences, that it's not just kind of like a wow factor, which which I think is really hard, you know, a, a hard line to kind of tread with installation, you know, because I mean, <laughs> definitely my work's bright. It's big. Um, there's the idea that like, it took me a long time to make it, you know, all those things are things people say about it. And they're all, I I mean, I guess they're all true. It's bright. It's big. It took me a long time to make it, but, um, hopefully there's also for, for the person again, you know, who wants to really walk into it and explore, there are these moments that are kind of like quieter moments or more subtle moments or more intricate moments that, that they can see. But I was going to say too, it's interesting the way that, you know, maybe the, I, I'm not, I'm not certain, but this is my question. So the, the drawings, how do those impact any of the stuff that you're doing? Cause that's also something that's, that you've got on your website, you know, all these drawings that you're working through. And I like to, I don't know, it seems like there's all these smaller, I don't know, kind of connectors. And, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but like kind of like connecting these pieces from, you know, larger spaces to smaller spaces. And I think about it in relationship to kind of um, how that works in the drawings, but I don't know. I mean, how do they, yeah. how do they relate to mm. or found a way into the work? Yeah, no, the drawings are really important. I mean, it took me a long time because I've always done the drawings. So the drawings are actually like, like I mentioned that, you know, in grad school, I was making these works on paper that were small. Um, and, you know, there, there were always something I kind of like after I after I started to have more opportunities to um, show the installations, I kind of kept making the drawings, but I never focused on um, exhibiting them, you know, so they're just kind of this thing that I do. Right. Um, and I think I think that for me especially after I started doing the larger works and, you know, getting some exhibitions that were a little, a little more important, I guess, or at more established venues that, that there was like a certain pressure, you know, to, to kind of like make this big thing and make it successful. And, and so for me, like the drawing started out just as a kind of um, <laughs> reprieve from that. Like you can, you can fail, you know, it's a piece of paper. I mean, they all say that about drawing and I also think, Oh no, that's not true. But, but you know, it is like, they were just kind of like in things I did in my studio that no one would have to uh, see. That's how I thought of them. Um, but I think they're a lot more than that. I mean, I think, um, 
um, as, as I continue to make works on paper, some of the works on paper are flat, some of them are more dimensional, some of them are a little bit larger, some of them are smaller, but they're all small compared to the installation work that I, that I do. And I think that um, we're, we're talking about scale. I mean, I think a lot of times they make me understand something about scale, not in terms of them being small and the installations being big, but just like the paper becomes... Um, this this kind of sometimes like I'm working on a, a group of works now where the paper feels like a vast territory, like outer space or something, you know, um, and it's almost like I'm creating a, an entire installation on each sheet of paper. Um, in others, it's almost like a fragment, you know, of the installation. But um, sometimes like really surprising things will happen. And, you know, it takes a long time. But like like recently, here's an example. I've been looking at all this pattern ornament and decoration. And I mean, I, you know, I've been making stencils based on it, but they're all my own stencils. But in the works that I'm doing in my studio now, um, this is like a spoiler, you know, I wasn't going to tell anyone this, but (laughs) but basically um, in the works that I'm doing now in my studio, um, I'm actually taking um, little snippets from um, different like decorative fabrics and, and actually sort of cutting those out really carefully and making them into sort of characters in the installation. And some of them actually look really militant, like firing squads, you know, but firing squads made out of twall fabric, or like, you know, so, so it's really this weird juxtaposition and I don't really know where it's going. And I don't know that it will jump into the installations. I mean, it might be a really stupid idea. Um, but oftentimes I think for me, the works on paper are kind of telling me something important, you know? So, so they're a break from doing this, like, really physically big kind of taxing, you know, like, even in the studio. Like, when I don't sit down in the studio, like, all day. If I'm in the studio, you know, I'm just, like, walking around because the scale of the work now is such that I, that I really can't, you know? So it's um, got this physicality to it. So I think that, you know, in one sense, they're, they're just, like, a break from that. But in another sense, it's, like, they've really taken on their own life and their own energy. And they've, they've become something that sometimes when I feel like I'm in a rut, um, I almost like, you know, start doing the works on paper as a way to kind of push the work forward because I know I'll experiment with things there that I might not be willing to try right away in, in the larger work. Right. It's, you know, it's, and it's very apparent, you know, I think I became familiar with your work or I, I know that I became familiar with it a while back, but I know recently, like I, I said earlier in the last year, I know that you did that residency at Illinois State University. And I remember you were making, you know, collage after collage after collage. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like a nice balance to be able to have that, you know, that practice where you can just say, I don't care about how this turns out. I can, I know that I can get this done or 10 of these done in a certain amount of time. Whereas I know that this installation would take me, you know, 10 days or however long, you know, it takes. So there's, there's that that nice balance, I think. But one of of the things that I would totally um, not forgive myself, because I think we've kind of glossed over a little bit is material. So what, what type of materials do you use? Cause I think, especially with that idea of scale, as we're talking about, you know, with the drawings and the installations, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's some materials that are really great for that. And then maybe some that are more delicate. So what type of materials do you use? And, and I guess, how do you, I don't know, just pick something up and try something new, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's varied a lot for like the the works on paper are easier to think about in some ways materially, you know, because I don't need like 5,000 yards. <laughs> so, um the the installations, I mean, um from from the start, from when I started working with the the larger works, I was really interested in um uh, materials that had a kind of tactility um 
that had other uses in life beyond, you know, being art materials um, that, that were flexible. So materials that, that can become, that can be 2D, but can also be 3D. So one of the, the early materials that I kind of latched onto that's, that's comprised a lot of my installations or a large part of a lot of my installations is this um, sized felt or felt with a stiffening agent in it, in it. And I buy it. I don't, I mean, people always ask, do you stiffen your own felt? And I'm like, oh my God, no, <laughs> no, I don't. It would take me forever. That would, that would be too um, process intensive. So, so um, I mean, when I started doing doing work with this material, I was buying it in these small, like nine by twelve sheets from places like Hobby Lobby or Michael's Crafts, um, and um, then started to kind of look for it, you know, in larger quantities. And um, so, I buy it from from several of these um, suppliers, you know, um, and I, I get it in big rolls. Like sometimes they're like you know eighty two inch wide rolls, um, you know. And uh, the the thing I like about the material is it's really like it looks like paper but it's really tough so I can um, pull on it I can tug it I can iron it you know so it's got this this real um, toughness even though it also looks kind of decorative you know when you get close to it it's very soft and very tactile and it's got you know felt has a lot of associations I mean in art history but also um, just as and these are the ones I'm more interested in as related to craft or industry I mean it's used as like a sound dampening agent in cars and like you know so so it's got all these different different kind of utilitarian uses as well as, as you know sort of craft connotations um, but but for me the thing that about the material that that I think was important is that I was using materials that that were tactile that had other lives but that were also kind of blank in a way so even though it has these connotations it's not like a plaid tablecloth or it's not you know I mean I mean it's colored but it's not it's not sort of evocative like of um, a specific interior from a period in history and you know now I'm starting to to rethink that a little bit you know I am kind of interested in, in maybe using you know some materials that that are more specific or that are even patterned but but for me um the big thing beyond all those things is just, and I think I mentioned this, how tough and resilient the material is because like I'm not I always think you have to have an affinity with the material you're working with you know you have to kind of like figure out you know what it'll do but but I think there are just some materials that that really work for me when I found this felt I mean it is so tough like I can pull on it I can bend it I can iron it I can roll it up I can crease it and you know um and whatever mistake I make with it I can undo it you know I mean mean, it's even really easy to get like dirt out of it so which sounds lame but but it's super resilient so I can experiment with it really easily you know and it's still at a price that i could deal with so there are like there are both sort of conceptual things about it that are great and and then sort of like formal things about it that are great but um beyond that i mean i've i've used other materials like translucent flexible plastics um i've used cardboard i've used different kinds of foam and the the fastening elements in the work have become more and more important so the the work is like all these small pieces, well, you know, are relatively small. Some of them aren't so small. Pieces that are, are sort of held together. And in order to hold them together, I, I initially was using, like, scrapbooking brads, almost like you would see on the end of, um, like, a, an envelope, you know, where you splay the two ends to, to sort of fasten something together. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually the work just became so big and, and relatively heavy compared to my early work that I needed something else. So I started going to... Um, like a tractor supply store in town and getting these um, carriage bolts, you know, these really large bolts that that are strong, but they're also visually a great contrast to some of the softer materials, you know? So, like, I love how they look in relation to the felt. Um, 
and I think you you mentioned armor earlier, and I've always been like interested in dress and you know fashion and like I'm not a super fashionable person myself right. but I actually have degrees and like the, you know almost have a degree in the history of dress that was something I kind of did as a side note when I was um, at the University of Minnesota so um, I've also been interested in like just different like dress and costume and seeing how things are fastened together like aside from just sewing you know which is I guess one thing that I that I'm not that interested in <laughs> sewing mm-hmm. but um so the, the way that things are fastened whether it's with you know nuts and bolts or monofilament or like I've been using like a lot of rope to create tension in the work mm-hmm. I think that just the fastening devices can kind of add this element of like aggression you know to the work um that I that I really like so I mean I think the drawings are the materials I mentioned and more on a much smaller scale, you know? So it's like right now, because I'm dealing with these pattern pieces of fabric, it's really easy to deal with those on a scale that's like 18 by 24 inches. But then what happens when, if I want to use that idea and the work is like, you know, room sized or atrium sized or, you know, then, then it becomes like a a different game. So. Well, so, you know, before we get out of here, um, you know, what, what are the, the current installations that you have up and and where can people go uh, check out more work I, I believe that you have a number of things coming up but i could be mistaken <laughs> yeah i do i have some things um that are that are happening now so um one of the things that i exhibitions that i'm in right now is called um string felt theory and that's at the minnesota museum of american art project space um in saint paul it's an exhibition with uh, two other artists andrea stanislav and randy walker um and we both deal with um sort of specific materials or ideas i guess i'm the felt part of string felt theory Mm -hmm. um randy walker works with um string in this really dynamic beautiful way and andrea stanislav um works with a lot of different materials kind of creating these really mesmerizing um, installations and so I think um, that's a really great exhibition well you know I'm not trying to toot my own horn but but just in terms of the other artists and the dynamic between our work mm-hmm. I think that's a, a fun exhibition for people interested in installation you know um, it's a pretty small space but I think I think just the relationship between the three works is interesting um, and then um, I also have work up currently at Lexington Art League in Lexington Kentucky as um, part of another exhibition featuring installations called Sight and that was a really fun exhibition um, because uh, the the site of the exhibition, no pun intended, is um, this Gothic revival mansion um, that um, now it, the, the Lexington Art League inhabits this mansion. And so it's a pretty unique site to um, have installed work in. So, um, and that features, um, oh, let's see, four or five other artists. Um, and I'm, I'm going to botch names right now, but um, it's totally amazing. If you go to the Lexington Art League page, you can see all the different artists. And I think they have examples of their work. And um, it's a really fun, fun exhibition um, that I was really excited to be part of. And, um, and then I also have work up um, in Grand Rapids at the Urban Institute of contemporary art as part of a show called Chroma that's um, artists who are dealing with color or the absence of color in, in some way and I think there are I don't know nine or ten other artists in that exhibition so so it was kind of a busy spring um, and now I have a little bit of a, a break um, and then in the fall I kind of um, hit the ground running I'll be um, going back to Grand Rapids and doing my first outdoor project for art prize exciting that's very (laughs) exciting yeah 
it's really exciting. I'm, I'm um, super thrilled about it. I mean, I know, um, I know people have all sorts of ideas about like art prize and, you know, um, but I'm not, I'm not going, I'm not doing it. I, I participated last year and, you know, I told people um, I'm not doing it to, um, win $200,000, although that would be great. But, but for me, it's just provided some really unique opportunities. Last year, I did an indoor work that was in this like giant atrium um, that was a really unique space. And, and this year, um, I'm doing a work on a pedestrian bridge downtown um, called the Blue Bridge. And so, yeah, it's going to be a really um, exciting but very challenging work for me, you know, in terms of thinking about scale and materials. And, um, you know, so, so that's kind of a huge challenge. Um, and then I'll be going to the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, doing an exhibition there. Um, and later, well, I guess now we're into 2014. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think, is this really this year? I'll also be doing um, an exhibition at um, Interlochen in Michigan. So those are a few of the, the kind of things coming up. Well, it's super exciting, you know. And um, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, sharing more about your work and of course, with our audience here, but especially in the future, you know, to see the way that everything continues to develop and, and change <laughs> and, you know, the way that you incorporate new things. So it's, it's very exciting. And again, it's been a pleasure to have you on and uh, to chat with you today. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Liz for joining us. And once again, please check out her website, lizmiller.com, and make sure to stay in touch with her blog. Again, you can find out about some of those shows that she has coming up, and she's always posting uh, new work that she has. So please go to check out her blog as well. Speaking of checking things out, I hope that you take the time to check out the Kickstarter project that I just launched, Remembering Place. And the idea is really simple. It's an exhibition that incorporates all of your photos of places into my work. I then create original pieces from that. You can go and contribute towards direct pieces that you get to keep that will be part of the exhibition. And in general, it's a, a big collaborative experience. So there's a variety of ways to back the project, including a catalog, a print, a DVD, and the original art. So please Please go ahead and check it out and, of course, share it with people that would be interested. I really appreciate it. One easy way to share it is through Facebook. And again, we do have a Facebook page, so please go ahead and like it. You'll find the link to the Kickstarter and also links to other things, artists to check out, some of the guests that we have coming up, show announcements. So please go ahead and like our Facebook page. You can easily find our Twitter page, at Studio Break, so please follow us there. And once again, please go ahead and check out iTunes. We have a variety of podcasts up there for your listening pleasure. Again, subscribe so that you get them each week. So we hope that you do that. And, of course, if you have time, please leave us some feedback. It just helps with visibility and others that like listening to a variety of podcasts, which could include The Moth or maybe Bad at Sports, Art 21, This American Life, any variety of podcasts. And they're always looking for new things to listen to. All right, everyone, that's our show for this week. Hope you enjoyed Liz Miller. Please check out her website and blog, and we'll talk to you real soon.